MSW Media. Thank you so much to Tomboy X for supporting Daily Beans. Tomboy X makes brazenly unapologetic underwear for all bodies, all shapes, all genders, and all sizes. Really, all sizes. Discover your inner tomboy and let us get you started with our special discount. Go to TomboyX.com and enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word, to get an extra 20% off. And thanks to Real Paper for supporting the Daily Beans. There are no new trees cut down to make Real Paper products. Sign up for a subscription and get 30% off your first order at real, R-E-E-L, paper.com slash dailybeans, or use code dailybeans at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, January 24th, 2022. Today, Rep. Benny Thompson tells New Day the 1-6 committee has had conversations with Bill Barr and hearings will begin in the spring. The committee has all the documents from the National Archives and they include an executive order for the Department of Defense to seize voting machines, but more documents could be on the way. Mike Flynn allegedly worked to extort election fraud cooperation out of Republican members of Congress from Pennsylvania. Giuliani associate Igor Freeman is sentenced to one year in prison, and the Arizona Dems censure Kirsten Cinema. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I um I hope you had a good weekend. I, I enjoyed watching Aaron Rodgers lose his ass in a football game. <laughs> one of the funniest tweets I said, Green Bay looks really lethargic. They could really use a shot in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Green Bay could would have won if Mike Pence had more courage. <laughs> oh my god, so funny. Yep, I'm I'm, I'm not Now we're recording this during the Bucks game, so I'm not sure what's going to happen. However, if if I could have my way and this may come to fruition by the time you're hearing this, I would be more than happy to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers lose in the same weekend. That would be fantastic. I'm just tired of seeing him in the Super Bowl. Like, let's let's get someone else there. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. And uh, I know we probably don't have a lot of sports ball fans listening. You'd be surprised. I would be. I, I'm from Cleveland. So by default, <laughs> you're like, you're right, Dana. I would absolutely be surprised. <laughs> but yeah. And and I think that the I, I like when Travis Akers, uh, who's a good friend of mine, like tweeted out. Due to overwhelming demand, dunking on Aaron Rodgers will be extended throughout the week. Fantastic. (laughs) Keep doing that on Twitter because it was pretty amazing and it's still going. Later in the show, I'm going to be talking with our friend, Mary Trump. We're going to discuss who's going to throw who under the bus. Uh, Like what's most likely because she knows best, right? So I was like, if, if, you know, if, if they have enough to charge crimes on the kids, will they roll on their dad? Like, so she's going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about that. And she's going to give us an update on her lawsuit. You know, she sued Donald and her aunt, Mary Ann, for defrauding her. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. It's a really great discussion. And then, of course, we have good news. So, you know. Wonderful. Let's do this on a Monday. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Big news over the weekend is that within the four tranches of documents sent to the committee from the National Archives after the Supreme Court refused to block them on behalf of Donald was an executive order that was never signed. And it was ordering the military to seize voting machines and and have a a special counsel appointed, Sidney Powell. Okay, And uh, Representative Benny Thompson, you know, chair of the one six committee, 
says the panel has already had conversations with former Attorney General Bill Barr, presumably about that memo, but also members of the Department of Defense. Now, language from the executive order, this one to seize the voting machines, matches language drafted by Sidney Powell, who's currently under criminal investigation by Department of Justice. And the language also matches a redacted affidavit from Phil Waldron. That's the distributor of that 38-page coup PowerPoint he briefed Congress on. Mm-hmm. And not, not all of Congress, just certain special members. And uh, it was coordinated by Patrick Byrne, former Overstock CEO that helped with the Arizona fraud. Now, just a few moments ago, Rep. Zoe Lofgren went on an interview with Acosta on CNN, and she clarified the bar conversations because there was a little bit of question this morning on social media. What the conversations were. Did he testify? Was he forthcoming? Is he cooperating? Someone said he's cool. You know, we weren't quite sure. Could, the, could it have just been, you know, conversations negotiating whether or not he's going to talk to them? You know, knowing he's got a book coming out March 8th. Well, Zoe Lofgren gave us a little clarification. She said Barr had spoken to the committee on more than one occasion, that he spoke voluntarily with committee staff and attorneys, and she was glad about his willingness to help the committee get to the truth. So it sounds like they got at least something out of Bill Barr. Like I said, he's got his book coming out March 8th. Don't buy it. Um, but that's good because that could be before public committee hearings, right? And he may want to bolster his book sales with some kind of heroic public testimony. <laughs> but make no mistake, Barr is no hero. Oh, no. But, you know, it reminds me of remember when Bolton wouldn't testify to the committee because he wanted it to come out in his book later. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't seem like we're running into that problem here. And I could see... Bill Barr trying to paint himself a hero. I don't give a shit as long as he tells everybody what he knows. He's never going to be a hero in my book. No, you know, he's a cocky, self-indulgent son (laughs) of a. Yeah, he just is. He thinks he can get away with everything you see. I mean, even being questioned by, you know, Kamala when she was a senator, it was just gross. (laughs) Yeah, he is awful. Now, what interests me also about Benny Thompson's statement this morning is the DOD officials part that they've talked to. Because we know, you know, Kosh Patel has talked to the committee. He was installed after the election and as was Chris Miller. I'm not sure about Chris Miller's cooperation at this point. But I remember distinctly in the weeks leading up to the election, I think October 20th, actually, chair of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, told NPR, hey, the military plays no role in election outcomes and, and that they will obey lawful orders when given by the president. Lawful. <laughs> That's a key word there. And he said that unprompted, like, you know, the the meme, nobody. Yeah. General Milley. (laughs) We don't get involved. And then also all former living secretaries of defense, all of them wrote in a letter attesting to the same stuff. You know, hey, we only, you know, don't do this. We don't get involved in elections. Just three days before the insurrection. Sounds like everybody knew except us. Quote, American elections and the peaceful transfer of power that result are hallmarks of our democracy, with one singular and tragic exception that cost the lives of more Americans than all of our other wars combined. The United States has had an unbroken record of such transitions since 1789, including in times of partisan strife, war, epidemics, and economic depression. This year should be no exception. That was January 3rd. Interesting. Right? Like, hmm, what do you know? It was at that time. When I said, look, there's not going to be a military coup. 
in this country. But boy, did we come close. Yeah. <laughs> the committee is, is still going to be receiving documents from the National Archives in the days and weeks ahead. They haven't gotten it all, apparently. They haven't gotten yet in their hands the outtakes from the video Donald was forced to put out asking the rioters to go home. Remember, there were apparently outtakes where he was just a dick. Oh, my God. I did not actually know that. And now I want to see all of them. <laughs> yeah. And they thought they were going to get him. Zoe Lofgren mentioned that they have evidence that Trump allies in the White House were advised by White House counsel that they had to turn over all information to the archives in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, which makes me think the committee is maybe seeing some shit missing, like perhaps these outtakes. And it, it is of note that the committee attached that memo through Don McGahn back from 2017. You got to preserve all your presidential records. We hear you like to eat stuff and not write stuff down. So <laughs> they actually were advised in a document, an official document. And that memo, that document was attached to the letter to Ivanka Trump from the 1-6 Council. So I'm wondering if she specifically has maybe failed to turn over some records, which could put her in legal trouble. That would be lovely. I feel like the outtakes are like Trump being like, yeah, you morons, burn the son of a bitch down. And someone's like, cut. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great SNL sketch. Oh, my God. So they really should do it. Like, what a, what the outtakes from that, that um, you're all, you know, find people, go, go home. Oh, God, you know there was some good ones. All right. Thank you so much, AG, for kicking us off with that. This next story, the FBI agents in the House panel investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol have both learned of an alleged plan by allies of retired Army Lieutenant General Michael Flynn to gather, quote, intelligence on top Republicans to move them to back election audits in key states Trump lost, said ex-whistleblower Everett Stern, who talked to the panel and the FBI. And uh, there's probably a good chance he had information because of that hacking of the RNC back in 2016. Mm. Was it 16? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Stern, who runs the intelligence firm Tactical Rabbit? It's a Republican vying for a Senate seat in Pennsylvania at the moment. In multiple interviews with The Guardian said two Flynn associates with the right-wing Patriot Caucus group enlisted his help in April in a scheme to seek potentially damaging information on two Republican members of Congress to prod them to back an audit of the 2020 vote that Joe Biden won. Now, Stern told The Guardian he spent several hours in November telling House panel investigators about the alleged drive by Flynn Associates, who sought campaign finance and other dirt on Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey and Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick to win their support for an audit to bolster Trump's debunked charges that Biden's win was fraudulent. So Stern expressed as May that Flynn's Patriot Caucus Associates, quote, don't understand that Biden is the president. They wanted to collect information through Tactical Rabbit and my campaign to turn up the heat on Toomey and Fitzpatrick to back an audit, which Stern viewed as potentially extortion. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it was more than potentially extortion. Keep criming, Flynn. Keep criming. Oh, man. And from the Washington Post, the retired federal judge assigned to review the contents of 18 electronic devices seized from Rudy Giuliani's home and offices in Manhattan in April, last April, has withheld about half of what former President Donald Trump's personal lawyer argued should be kept out of the hands of investigators because it was privileged. More than 3,000 communications were released to prosecutors on Wednesday in an action reflected in a four-page report submitted to a judge overseeing litigation on the FBI's April 28th seizure of Giuliani's phones and computers. The contents of the devices were not disclosed. The Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office has been investigating Giuliani's dealings with Ukraine while he was representing Trump. 
Prosecutors have said Giuliani might have acted as an unregistered foreign agent, which was the basis for the agent's search. Giuliani's attorney, Robert Costello, (laughs) is dumb. He said (laughs) his review of the contents of the devices revealed no messages between Giuliani and the former president and no proof of any crime. No messages, no crimes. They've never spoken. He doesn't even know who the guy is. 3,000 messages were handed over. Okay, Trump is known for his avoidance of electronic messages, a habit that has frustrated state and criminal civil investigators in New York who are evaluating his business practices. Quote, there's no Foreign Agents Registration Act violation, Costello said. Rudy Giuliani didn't do anything illegal or unlawful, period. Barbara Jones, in her progress statement filed Friday, reported that of the more than 25,000 chats and messages contained on a cell phone dating to the beginning of 2018, Giuliani initially asserted privilege or, you know, privilege over about 96 of those 25,000 items, 40 of which she granted. His attorneys withdrew their assertions on 19 items, and Jones said 37 were not privileged. So there were 37 that he objected to that she said, that's not privilege, bro. From that set of records, 56 items were released to federal prosecutors. On another set of Giuliani's devices, more than 3,000 communications from December 1st, 2018 to May 31st, 2019 were reviewed, but he did not assert privilege on any of those. Those were also released to prosecutors this week. Previously, Jones sided with Giuliani with respect to three items he said were privileged. (laughs) Three out of 23,000. In October 2019, two of Giuliani's associates, Parnas and Fruman, were arrested at Dulles on campaign finance violations, including for using foreign funds to support political candidates, Trump. Parnas and Fruman also were said to have assisted Giuliani in his efforts to pressure Ukrainian officials to make an announcement that uh, they would be investigating Joe Biden. Fruman pled guilty in September to soliciting a contribution from a foreign national. On Friday afternoon, Fruman was sentenced to one year in prison and fined $10,000. In court, Fruman said his actions are a shame that would live with me forever. Barnes was convicted in a trial in October and is awaiting <laughs> sentencing. Oh, by the way, Dana, I just found out Rudy is now selling autographed 9-11 t-shirts for $911. Oh, my God. He really is a disgusting human being, isn't he? Autographed 9-11 t-shirts. Oh, God. Hmm. All right. And in this segment, we are going to Arizona with one of my least favorite people on the planet. The Arizona Democratic Party's executive committee, they have formally censured Senator Kirsten Cinema on Saturday morning as a result of her inaction on changing the filibuster rules to pass voting rights reform. This is some uh, little statements from there. On the matter of the filibuster and the urgency to protect voting rights, we've been crystal clear. In the choice between an archaic legislative norm and protecting Arizonans' right to vote, we choose the latter, and we always will. And that's from Chairwoman Raquel Turan, I think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she said that in a statement. Went on to say, while we take no pleasure in this announcement, the ADP executive board has decided to formally censure Senator Sinema as a result of her failure to do whatever it takes to ensure the health of our democracy. Now, Cinema is facing renewed heat from those who helped elect her after she and Senator Joe Manchin this week were the only two Democrats to vote against filibuster reform, effectively derailing passage of voting rights legislation. Now, the slim Democratic majority in the Senate meant filibuster reform was seen as crucial for passing the Freedom to Vote, John R. Lewis Act, and those are a top priority for Democrats and President Joe Biden. Arizona Democrats, um, they organized heavily. Okay, so to, and I was part of this with the HRC. All over the country, people did. But in Arizona, the Democrats organized heavily to elect Cinema to the Senate. She previously served in the U.S. House, helping give her a narrow victory. 
They lobbied Cinema for months to change her stance on the filibuster, but many weren't able to get a meeting with the senator. Interesting. Now, Cinema lost a major endorsement this week from Emily's List, a large political organization that bankrolls campaigns they endorse, including those who support abortion rights. A coalition of groups made of Democrats in the state, they wrote the group asking for to act on the issue. Before the vote, Emily's List announced it would not endorse Cinema again if she didn't change her position. You know, AG, I would, you know, put beans on this here. I don't even think Cinema's going to run again. I think she's making so much fucking money right now yeah. from dark money. And she, I would be shocked if she ever ran for political office again. Yeah. And if she did, it would be as a Republican. Now, I'm actually wondering if they were like, she's a good target and dark money poured a bunch of money at her to run for Senate. I th- absolutely think that's what happened. I met her. Put her in and then flip the switch. I met her. She craves attention. She wants people to know her name. She wants to be the belle of the ballots. She stands out with her fashion and everything else that she pull- does. I guarantee they saw her as an easy mark. That, that would be my beans, 100%. That's my beans, too, that this started before she even ran. Yep. All right. I will be right back with Mary Trump to discuss who's going to throw whom under the bus. And I'll ask her for an update on her lawsuit against her aunt and uncle. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I have to tell you about my new favorite hands down underwear on the planet. It's called Tomboy X. And they are bringing this show to you today. I I. My old underwear was okay, uh, but nothing ever fit right. It rolled down or it pinched me like right there on the hips, which I didn't like. It didn't look good. It was boring. Uh, I think they used mannequins instead of actual humans to design the fit on those things. Anyway, nobody designed underwear to fit real people's bodies until Tomboy X did. They created underwear that makes me feel like, yeah, this underwear doesn't just fit me. It gets me, right? Tomboy X, since 2014, has been making brazenly unapologetic underwear for all bodies, all shapes, all genders, and all sizes. And I I mean all sizes. From boxer briefs to bikinis and boy shorts, my favorite, and bras. I have so many. I love them. Every pair of Tomboy X is created to fit you and how you see yourself. And they've expanded beyond underwear, too. Each product is built on values of quality, fit, and inclusivity. They pay attention to every detail. Like no back seams for wedge-free experiences, never rides up. Super comfort, comfort, silky smooth waistbands. These are my favorite. This is my favorite part. They never roll down, right? Wherever you fall on the size, shape, uh, chart, this is me spectrum. Tomboy X is the underwear your body will love. It looks good. It feels good. It's soft. It's amazing. It's comfortable. It's durable. And it's sustainable. And with their love at first wear guarantee, you can order risk-free while you find your perfect fit. My favorite right now are their new boy shorts, like I said, the fit, the feel. They look amazing. They fit comfortably and they don't roll down. They come in so many cool designs and patterns, too. Everyone can find something that you love. Discover your inner tomboy. And let me get you started with my special discount. Go to tomboyx.com. Enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word. You'll get an extra 20% off. That's huge. 20% off when you enter DAILYBEANS at tomboyx.com. Tomboyx.com. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome back. Happy today to be joined by my friend, author of The Reckoning and Too Much and Never Enough, very both required reading, and host of the new Mary Trump Show podcast. Please welcome Mary Trump. Hi, Mary. Hey, AG. How's it going? It's, you know, um, it's been wall-to-wall news. Really? <laughs> yeah, I noticed. I know that it has been for five years, but like it feels like it's it's heating up, especially right now. I, I have to be honest with you. I feel the same way. Um, something, and again, this could just be 
hope or uh, just because we're tired. I'm not really sure. But it three weeks ago, it felt like a flip switched um, or something shifted. Mm-hmm. And one, I was like, you know, I know that there's not more news than usual. It's the it's as it's always, as you said, for the last five years, nonstop tennis ball fire hose of news. But it did feel qualitatively different. Some things felt like they were definitely getting worse. And some and, and in some ways it felt or in other areas, it felt like we were moving towards something better. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. And that's sort of the basis for why I wanted to speak to you today, because there is so much going on in the news right now with Donald, Ivanka Jr. and Eric. And, and before it was always the Trump organization or lieutenants or folks below. But now they seem to be front and center. I mean, we have the one six committee letter to Ivanka asking for her cooperation. We have the recent New York attorney general filing 115 pages to compel Donald Jr. and Ivanka, because Eric's already testified, to testify, to be deposed in that civil suit. But did Eric really testify? Is is, (laughs) is, uh, claiming the fifth 500 times testifying or just wasting people's time? I'm not sure. Yeah. And, you know, what's fun is that while invoking the fifth can't be used against you in a criminal investigation. It can in a civil investigation. So that's fun. And then, of course, the work in the the Manhattan DA's office, which is, you know, hand in hand with the New York attorney general right now. And I, I was positing that, you know, it feels like the kids and or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> the grown adult children. <laughs> the, the crotch goblins. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it feels like they used more written communication and more you know, phone communication than their dad did. And so I feel like they are more susceptible to criminal charges than Donald would be. And that made me wonder, and I figured you would be the perfect person to answer this question. If I were a prosecutor and I said, all right, Ivanka, I've got this crime on you, or you can have immunity and testify against Donald. Do you think the kids would flip, would all of them flip, would some of them flip, are some more likely to stay out of prison that knowing that they might be sending Donald to prison? What What's sort of the dynamic there? Well, first of all, I, I saw your tweet earlier about that very issue that they're, you know, they're millennials. They're plugged in to modern technology in a way Donald's not. They use it in a way he doesn't. And I there's definitely more of a trail there. I'm pretty sure there are people uh, who have access to their communications. That having been said, I think it's there. There's no doubt in my mind that under the right circumstances, all three of them would flip because in in all seriousness, what do they owe Donald other than, you know, all of their money and power? But seriously, like in terms of um, filial relationship, in terms of uh, love and affection and support, because let's face it, he would he's not protecting Ivanka by, you know, um, claiming going after quote unquote children, even though she's a 40 year old woman with children of her own and worked for the administration. <laughs> um, you know, he's not doing that to protect her. <laughs> he's doing that to protect himself. So if the roles were reversed, 
he would throw them under a bus, the bus in, in a, a second. What what is important, though, is investigators don't go to the big fish first to get smaller fish. <laughs> so they don't need him to flip on people. They need people to flip on him. I think, though, it, I'm, I'm not suggesting at all that it would happen easily. No, there would not need to be lots of compelling ironclad evidence. I think because of her position in both the business and uh, the administration, Ivanka probably has the most exposure because of uh, the fact that both of them were there that day on January 6th. And Donnie spoke at the I don't know, what do we call it? Hitler rally, (laughs) what else to call it? You know, he has more exposure. The only one of the three I think might not flip so easily is Donnie, though, because there's something so wrong with him in terms of his still, for whatever reason, desperately striving for his father's approval. It's quite weird. But um, yeah, I'm with you on this. I, I don't see... I don't even understand why it's a question. It seems pretty obvious to me. And by the way, just just as a, you know, an aside about family, <laughs> the parent, if, you know, in a crime crime family should encourage the children to save themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. That you would. One would think. One would. But uh, I, I believe Cohen had said, I, I think on a recent program I saw him on that he has that at one point Donald said, you know, make sure that, you know, the kids go down and not me or something, <laughs> something, you know, or one kid and like, make sure it's, you know, Don Funny. who stays, yeah, <laughs> right. or make you know, protect Ivanka. It was something like yeah. that. I can't uh, remember the exact verbiage, but, yeah. but this sort of treachery runs in the family, right? Like if I remember correctly, didn't uh, Donald and his siblings drain their father's wealth and like kind of screw him over toward the end or well, actually, uh, b- before that, and by the way, it wasn't to screw my grandfather over because he was in, you know, in his late 80s. He had Alzheimer's. Um, it's not like he was running out of money. It was to uh, de- basically uh, siphon money out of the company to l- lessen its value so that they would have to spend I don't like hundreds of million dollars uh, less in estate taxes. Right. What they were really right. doing is screwing over the federal government and us. Uh, state right. and federal governments <laughs> and yeah, the American people. And uh, just as a small side benefit, they were screwing over me. But um, many years before that, not, not that many, but in the early nineties, when my grandfather was already suffering from Alzheimer's, Donald tried to add a codicil to my grandfather's will, which would have made Donald the sole executor of the will and put him in control of the entire estate. And uh, he got found out. But if he hadn't, I mean, my grandfather was having a rare lucid day and didn't know quite what was wrong, but knew something was wrong. And my grandmother told my aunt, if that hadn't happened, Donald would have taken over everything, impoverished, well, probably not impoverished, but would have kept my aunts and other uncle out of the inheritance entirely and probably would have squandered it within a year or two, because that's that's kind of what he's good at. Yeah. (laughs) He's not good at keeping money and making more money off of it, really? He's not? Okay. Weird, right? <laughs> I know. And and speaking of defrauding the family, I haven't heard 
a decision yet as to whether or not your lawsuit against your uncle and your aunt can go forward. Do you have any updates on that that you can give us at this time, if many time frame or I've I thought it would go a lot more quickly. Maybe maybe the judge is writing up a a book about how wrong they are. That's kind of what I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, we filed the lawsuit in uh, September of 2020, which seems like 500 billion years ago, I swear to God. But uh, the problem is the first judge after eight months of doing basically nothing retired. So a new judge had to come on. And uh, so it's been about a year of the new judge. And this is the very we had a hearing a couple of weeks ago, which, by the way, has nothing to do with the lawsuit. It's only about whether or not the lawsuit can go forward. So technically speaking, the lawsuit hasn't even started yet because there are two issues. One is a statute of limitations issue. In other words, did I wait too long to file? Uh, Because the statute of limitations is, I don't know, two to five years, something like that. But we're saying I didn't know that fraud had been committed until the New York Times came out with its amazing piece in 2018. And the other issue is the uh, non-disclosure agreement I signed when I settled with them over my grandfather's estate in 2000 or 2001, which we're claiming is completely invalid. And obviously they're claiming isn't. So I believe that the hearing went well to this extent. The judge really knew his stuff. He was totally plugged in and I thought asked really excellent probing questions of both both sides or all three sides, I should say, because my your your lawyers were absolutely fantastic. My lawyer, John Quinn, was I mean, it was a performance for the ages. He was. And I I remember I mean, like, hey, okay. Because I think one of their arguments, at least on the statute of limitations thing, was like, well, she could have figured it out. Right. And uh, the, <laughs> the judge was like, look, I, I give that she's probably a brilliant psychologist, but she's not a real estate and banking expert. And it took a team of experts at New York Times 18 months or something to go through those documents and yep. and to expect you to have. Well, she just didn't do her due diligence. She should have figured it out. Uh, the way that you're the way that Quinn presented that argument and the, the questions the judge asked, I thought, went really, really well. And I honestly think the NDA thing is something that should be figured out in the merits of the case, not a not a motion to to stop it at the beginning. Yeah. So I'm just I'm really excited to see what the decision is. Me, too. I think that's what the judge was driving at. I actually think, though, that based on what I uh, my understanding of somebody who as somebody who knows nothing about this stuff at all, it did seem, though, that, that the, the NDA was more of an issue than the statute of limitations. But that's OK. Uh, I also feel like the NDA issue has been not adjudicated exactly, but discussed enough that it shouldn't be uh, anything to trip us up. But, you know, um, as as we all know, to our incredible frustration, Legal time crawls on its hands and knees while the world spins. Um, Yeah, so it could be weeks, if not months, before we get a decision. If it's a decision in our favor, they will appeal. (laughs) So, and and on we go. Yeah, of course. Yes, justice is tantric, I'm convinced. (laughs) Oh, by the way, just as a quick aside, it turns out, though, that the the case that was um, the lawsuit against Andrew... I don't whatever Windsor, whatever the 
former Prince guy in England <laughs> <laughs> and, and best buddies with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. The case against him is going forward because um, I believe Judge Kaplan is in charge of that case, decided that that NDA wasn't valid. Mm -hmm. So that helps us, too, in an interesting way. And you have several other previous NDAs from people who worked in the White House that were determined to be invalid as well. Mm -hmm. So I think all of that precedent shoved up together, wrapped up in a nice big bow. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. You shoot me a text. Let me know what what uh, when the decision comes down. I'm, I'm sure you'll hear about it before we do. Absolutely. And uh, everybody needs to check out the Mary Trump show. It's so fantastic. It's a Politicon joint. You're going to love it. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And of course, The Reckoning. Everybody has to check out The Reckoning. And um, that that's all I have for you today. Other than I just wanted to, you know, wish you a happy week, because I think the news is just going to keep going at to. Uh, at an avalanche type pace. So, yeah, I, I honestly, um, I do my podcast once a week. And now that I'm doing one, I do not understand how you do what you do. I, I don't. I mean, I, I often feel overwhelmed by having to keep up with everything, but I don't have to talk about it every day coherently. So uh, between the Daily Beans and Clean Up on Aisle I'm going to forget the number 54, 51, 45, sorry, 45, whatever. Sorry. That makes perfect sense. Doesn't it? And the book club, I mean, I, it's so impressive. (laughs) So you guys listening are so lucky that you have Allison doing the heavy lifting for the rest of us every freaking day. (laughs) Pasha, thank you so much. And you're, I absolutely love yours too. We need to, we need to like do some more swapsies. It'll be great. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to hearing uh, this decision and, and we'll see what we'll see what happens with the, the grown adult children. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I mean, Jesus Christ, talk to Hunter Biden about whether or not we should be leaving children alone. Right. right. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, he's yeah. a grown up. OK. <laughs> well, then, then what does that say about you three? And didn't uh-huh. he also serve in the administrate? Oh, wait, no. Mm-hmm. No, that was uh, Ivanka. And uh, Jared. See, I think I think it was Asha. She tweeted, it's like, ooh, I guess bring your daughter to work day was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. All right. We'll talk soon, my friend. And uh, please take care. You too. Stay safe. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's show is sponsored by Helix Sleep. There's nothing worse than getting a bad night's sleep and being exhausted all day. It really messes with your day and that can mess with your week, too. I used to have the worst time getting to sleep. I thought it was anxiety or, you know, the stress of having the orange guy in the White House. But as it turns out, I had a mattress made for somebody else. I had the wrong mattress for how I sleep. And that's what's great about Helix. They match you to the perfect mattress tailored to your specific sleep needs and your body type. They have mattresses that are soft, firm or medium. They have uh, ones that regulate your body temperature. So if you get hot flashes or hot sweats at night, they, it really helps with that. They have ones that align your spine and they have a Helix Plus for plus size sleepers, too. I was matched with Helix Midnight because I like a medium for a mattress and I sleep on my side. And now thanks to Helix, I fall asleep immediately and wake up in the morning feeling alert and refreshed. And it sets me up for my whole week. It's great. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And of course, as we've said so many times, you know that leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty and you you can try it out for 100 nights without any risk. And they have financing available and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for you at helixsleep.com slash daily beans. That's right. Take their two-minute online sleep quiz 
They will match you with the, per- the perfect mattress that will give you the best night's sleep of your sleep of your life. It's Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X Sleep.com slash Daily Beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And today's show is also brought to you by Real Paper. You know, tens of thousands of trees are cut down every day to create products that just end up being discarded back into landfills. And considering that the forests on this planet remove nearly a quarter of the carbon we create into the atmosphere, they play an essential role in combating climate change. And we can help by using Real Paper. With Real Paper, deforestation and waste generated by single-use plastics are reduced. Real Paper uses non-virgin tree fibers and no plastic to make its toilet paper and paper towels, so no new trees are cut down to make them. Real developed a sustainable alternative that preserves the health of our planet without sacrificing quality. And I have to tell you, I absolutely love my Real Paper products. The toilet paper is comfortable and awesome. The paper towels are durable and absorbent. And it's certainly a step in the right direction. More than 250,000 pieces of single-use plastic have already been eliminated with Real Paper. And by purchasing Real Paper, you'll be contributing to the funding of clean sanitation programs around the world, which is so important. I love supporting Real Paper because their sustainable products contribute to saving the planet rather than destroying it. Purchasing Real Paper is simple and hassle-free, too, on their website. You can either have a subscription or a one-time purchase, and all orders are shipped to your door in a 100% recyclable, plastic-free package. Uh, and if you've had real, if you go to realpaper.com slash dailybeans and sign up for a subscription using my code dailybeans, all one word at checkout, you will automatically get 30% off your first order. That's realpaper, R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R.com slash dailybeans, or enter promo code dailybeans to get 30% off your first order. Real Paper, it's toilet paper and paper towels that change lives. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, photos of anything, really, I mean, at this point, why not? Uh, you can send it in at Daily Beans Pod and click on contact. You know, we're all grownups, really. Are we? Well, most of us. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to like fart jokes, I'm very, I'm 12. But hey, we've been told we have the best fart jokes on podcasts. So, oh, the smartest. You, we've been told we have the smartest fart jokes out there. And the, yeah, and the most clever dick jokes as exactly. well. Yeah, I, I concur. I concur wholeheartedly. And so, yeah, again, dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. You can send that in. Corrections too. If I get something wrong, please let me know. I'm happy to make those corrections. I think it's important that we get shit right. Especially coming up, you know, on these elections where disinformation is going to be king. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kick us off with Matt. Pronouns he and him. Hello, in an AG voice. You leguminous purveyors of flying hope monkeys. I love all that you do. And now listen to all the pods every week. I do have a quick correction for AG. I've heard you do this on a couple of the pods, most recently on the MSW Book Club. When it comes to suppositions and reading between the lines, the person conveying the idea or the concept implies the meaning and the person receiving the info infers the meaning. I do that. I tell, I have people who convey it inferring. I do that all the time. Thank you for all you do. It never fails to make me chuckle when hearing AG deadpan hot notes in the interlude to that block for pod pet tax. Last time I gave you pics of my big fuzzy buddy, Dorhe, the Malinois giant schnauzer mix. And yes, he's a very big dog. Here's one of him sleeping on the couch, and he's taking up more than half of it. Oh. Also, since Dana is a big fan of the words floof and boop, I, am. I give you a pic of my parents' old English sheepdog, oh. Bailey. He's a giant floof monster of a dog with a very boopable nose. Oh. <gasps> I mean, how can you not like the word <gasps> floof? <gasps> I love it. Oh, oh, my God. 
I had one growing up. Oh my God, this dog really is perfect. Just little black beady eyes under all that white fur. (laughs) Little Muppet. And I'm always reminded of of Labyrinth when I see one of these. Oh, that's a lot of floof and boop. (gasps) Floof and boop. Say floof. Everyone right now, just a moment, say floof and tell me that doesn't make you happy. (laughs) Floof. And you can even do floof. Floof. Like like a ohm, but with floof and boop. I think that's why the Swedish chef was always so happy. Fleur, fleen, meeny, bork, bork, fleur, fleur. It was the fleur, fleur. Okay. Shall I take the next two, my dear? Yes. All right. We've got this one from Amanda, pronoun she and her. I've been working on a book on the hashtag altgov and Twitter for almost five years. And I sent it to the publisher today. Amanda, congratulations. Awesome. That's awesome. Keep us posted on that, please. Next one's from Hannah, pronoun she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I have an update on my good bad news. The Park Hotel prisoners who briefly shared their home with a famous tennis player earlier this month have had a lot of interest from international media and have now raised over $100,000 toward their legal fees. They still have a long way to go to get to their target of 200 k And of course, legal cases can drag on for years, but it's a start. For my pet tax this time, I give you Maine Coons Heisenberg, brown tabby and white, and uh, Schrodinger. You got it. Yeah. Schrodinger, who's the great tabby and white. Heisenberg and Schrodinger. Excellent names, first of all. Famous. I also love that this cat's just in the cabinet behind the couscous. Also fun to say. (laughs) Couscous. Floof, boop, couscous. (laughs) Floof, floof, couscous. (laughs) Look at that foot. Oh my God, so cute. All right, I'm going to take the next two and then you you can... End up that you can, <laughs> you can do whatever up. you want. Okay, you great. Can, I was gonna say finish us off, but I was like, maybe you know what, AG? I've been waiting for that invitation for two <laughs> years. <laughs> All right, moving Next on. Next up from Kelly Rose, pronouns her, she. I absolutely love your podcast, Daily Beans and Muller. She wrote, Hell, I'm finding all my favorites are largely MSW media productions. Thank you, Kelly Rose. Okay, when I first came to New Zealand, okay, I'm jealous and you're showing off. When I first came to New Zealand over 10 years ago, I too pronounced Maori, Maori, a common mistake, and one any Kiwi will quickly correct you on. The proper pronunciation is Maori, slightly rolling the R, Maori, like that? Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I have no idea. I was just looking at it in print, and I'm very unfamiliar. I appreciate that, Kelly Rose. And next up from MK and ABQ, uh, you have to take this one and I'll take the What's last one. What's up in the 505? All right, MK. Dear Beans Queens, bless me, sisters, for I have sinned. Ooh. I fell for the shtick and bought a crappy... Oh, thank you. I brought a, ca- a crappy pillow a few years ago. I asked for this. I was searching for a pillow that allowed me to wake up without a headache and or crooked neck, and this definitely wasn't <laughs> it. It's chopped up foam that doesn't breathe, simply put. It sucks. Now, for those of you that aren't sure what we're talking about, I asked if anyone had actually purchased a MyPillow, and it seems MK in Albuquerque has, and it was a piece of garbage. Thank you, MK. (laughs) Pet tax. My pet tax is this photo of my daughter's sweet old guy, Toby, who is still loopy after having his teeth cleaned and a few pulled. He's my favorite dog of all time. Don't tell my grumpy little dogs and mix. Look at this Cocker Spaniel. Now, Cocker Spaniels are some of the softest dogs on the planet. I love them so much. And they're so derpy. And And he is so high. And now he's extra derpy because he's high AF. Oh, I love it. He's a high cocker. Hot cocker. (laughs) Hot cocker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to walk around singing that all day. Bye, man. And yeah, it's going to be bad. All right. 
Finally, from Hal, pronouns she and her. Greetings. I'm writing in response to your question. Oh, Do nice. any of your listeners own a my pillow? I must confess, there is one member of my household that does, my five-year-old. While he's never cared much for stuffies or lovies, early on he latched onto one particular and unfortunate comfort item, a my pillow, that we bought him on a whim long before anyone had cause to even recognize the name Mike Lindell. He wags it around, won't sleep without it, and even refuses to keep a pillowcase on it. And as you can see from the attached picture, my pillow is scrolled in a repeating pattern all over the thing. The words my pillow. While my little one certainly believes it's priceless, I can't help but give it a daily dose of side eye. By the way, purely objectively speaking, it's quite lumpy. No stars. <laughs> oh my God. See, it is just chopped up foam like <laughs> the other one. You can see it. So wait a minute. You know what's funny? My pillow, if you don't zoom in, looks like snakes. They do look like snakes. Don't tell your child that. I'm so sorry, but it does. <laughs> and that would make sense. He's a snake. <laughs> Thank you for helping make sense of these crazy times. All the best. Yeah, look at that thing. That is lumpy AI. And oh, yeah, hell you're yeah. right. It looks like don't tread on me. Right? Doesn't it? It totally does. Or like the you know what no, you know what it looks like? The snake. Do you remember the video game Pitfall? I do. Uh-huh. Remember the snakes? Yeah. That's what that's what that is. Either way, it's a snake. His signature is a snake. He was telling people all along who he was. <laughs> I do love that your child, though, has like, oh, you know, a whoopee, like just something that they're comforts them. That makes me happy. And now I want to hear about everyone's kids whoopies, because when I was a kid, I had a queen sized comforter quilt. The thing was massive and I drug it around. the. Oh, house. my God. It must have been heavy as hell. It was <laughs> you heavy. It around the- <laughs> I was just trying. And I wouldn't know. It's mine, you know, and I just wouldn't let go of it up until I was like five years old. That quilt was my whoopie. I think I either had a Raggedy Ann or an Andy doll that I did that with. Like it went with me everywhere. Mm. Yeah. I also had a panda that my dad, a stuffed panda that my dad got me when we went to the San Diego Zoo when I was very young. And uh, I had that thing and it's, I still have it. Actually, it's just torn to shit. It's all dirty. But yeah, I still have that. And I had a Snoopy, but I don't know where the Snoopy went. That's awesome. I think I have an adult. I don't carry it around, but I have like an adult stuffed animal that I realized that I've kept through the years because someone very important gave it to me. And so I've just kept his name's William. He's a little rabbit that, <laughs> that sits on my <laughs> Just hearing myself talk about it's making me laugh. It sits on the living room chair. William's very sweet. And then one day he got his little ear too close to a candle. And so it's just one of those things that he's like this perfect little imperfect stuffed animal that brings me comfort. I have an ice bat that I picked up at Comic-Con in 2006. And and it's it's actually my cat Abubica's whoopee. Uh But I, you know, it's on the bed 24-7 all the time because it's what it's it's his whoopee. Like the cat will actually put his arms around it and sleep. It's adorable. You know, how sweet would it be, though, if like there wasn't some social stigma and like adults could still just drag around their childhood whoobies that gave them comfort? We should all have one because now, unfortunately, it's like a bottle of tequila. Like, I feel like a blanket would be much healthier. (laughs) Bottle of wine is my (laughs) whoobie. Hey, why don't we make a wine called whoobie? Oh, we should. Some sort of alcohol. If anyone out there owns a winery. Yeah. If you own or know, we should put out. An yeah. MSW bottle, special limited edition, whoopee. Yes. It'll be a Syrah or a, a Pinot, definitely. It has to be a Syrah. <laughs> Almost like a Sarong. It's my whoopee. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Um, AG, I do have a final thought, but it's more of a request. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. I have a fan that has 
I, I won't tell the story, the whole story on air, but I do have a request if there's any listeners out there that are stroke specialists, medical stroke specialists. I'm not going to ask you to give unsolicited advice, but if you are a stroke specialist and you have a free minute or two where I could ask you a question for a friend, if you could email the, the podcast. I, I normally wouldn't do this, but I have a friend that's been in a tremendous amount of pain in her throat uh, since she's had strokes and no one can seem to fix the problem. So if there's any stroke specialists out there listening and you have a minute, just give us an email if you wouldn't mind giving that to them, AG. Yeah. Uh, hello at MullerSheWrote.com. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Or even ENT, even if maybe it's an ear, nose and throat. Thing, Absolutely. But... Or an ENT specialist who somehow even may have seen patients that have had horrible throat problems after strokes. It's just a shot in the dark, but I told her that I would give a shout out to see if we could. Yeah. Awesome. Email hello at MullerSheWrote.com. Put in the subject line stroke specialist so that we can pick it out pretty easily from the thousands of emails that we get every day. I'm kidding. It's like 14, but (laughs) I I, want to be able to recognize it quickly. I really appreciate it. Yeah, We do get to all of them. I just want that one to stand out. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And also I'm so excited about February 9th, my friend. Thank you. I am too. I, you know, I I will be honest with you, uh, listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm not usually very, I don't know. I sometimes talk about my personal life, but I've had a really hard week. Um, AG knows, and and I'm, I don't know if anyone can tell inflection in my voice over the last couple, uh, few podcasts, but I would love to have everyone out in New York uh, who can make the show um, for February 9th. It's going to be at the Green Room 42. It's a seven o'clock show. You can get tickets on their site. I just could really, uh, I, I need to do what I do that brings me joy and that's bringing you joy. And so I would really love if uh, we had some audience members. If you're in the area, please come out. Um, it's it's going to be amazing. And like you said, tickets start at like $19 or something like that. It's amazing. Yeah, it's super reasonable. 19 bucks. You can't do anything for $19 in New York. You can't even no, stand really? on the corner for $19. <laughs> in, unless you're also going to get hit by a bike messenger. Then that costs sure. $19. Yeah. Or three ounces of mixed nuts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, thank you so much. And and uh, we'll see if we can get anybody out there to give advice and counsel about your friend as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to that February 9th show. I'm going to do my best to make it out. I'm not sure yet. I will keep everybody informed. There's pool people coming to maybe dig a giant hole in my backyard. I'm not sure if I have to be here. I don't know if I have a house sitter. I'm trying to work it out. Well, if you do go, let's do a meet and greet with uh, Patreon. I would love to. So if, if that's more incentive uh, to get you out there and I would love to do it. We could even, um, you know, it's a seven o'clock show. It's going to be an hour, hour and a half. Be done by 830. We could even do a meet and greet uh, with our Patreon after the show on the 9th. I mean, we, it's doable. Yeah. Are you going to be there for one night? No, I'll be there the entire week. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Then there are plenty of nights. Yeah. Sweet. All right. We'll see if I can work that out. Um, now, now everyone's going to be mad if I can't make it. <laughs> no, it's okay. No promises, but I will definitely be in New York. AG may not. I promise I'll be there. Dana will definitely be there. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health, please. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.